0: Father, we thank you for the fact that you are a multidimensional God, and you want to make us multidimensional people, Lord, and not to live just by what our eyes see and our ears hear, but what our spirit shows us, Lord, that we are to be men and women of the supernatural. We've not been discipled, Lord, to be supernatural men and women. We've been taught how to be churchgoers. <clears throat> We've been taught how to go to church services, We've been taught how to live minimal spiritual lives and just maybe have a smattering of spiritual language, you know, maybe some religious concepts, you know, but not actually into the reality of what the words portray. So I pray, Father, that we would step into a multidimensional reality now, Lord. We would step into a transcendent understanding of the things that we know theologically, that we know conceptually, that we would enter into the reality of what the Scripture teaches us. And we would be helpers of one another, disciplers of one another, teachers of one another, escorts of one another, Lord, into this realm We would help one another put our feet into the river of life, Lord, into the streams that Yeshua, Jesus said, would flow out of the innermost being of those who believe in him. Lord, you weren't talking about a concept. There was a spiritual reality. So, Father, I pray that we would be participants in that spiritual reality. We would not be doubters, but we would be believers. We would not be rejectors, but we would be welcomers, Lord. So, Father, I, I pray that this, we would grab hold of this. That, uh, Father, in the name of Jesus, we would help each other understand and have our minds renewed. And I believe this is part of what the Lord wants to really do with us, excuse me, is to renew our thinking. Because as a person thinks in their heart, so they are. So that if you think you cannot do something, you cannot do it. If you think you can do it, you can do it. You know. So if, um, you think you're hopeless, you're hopeless. If you think there is Help coming, help is coming. And we have to be a people who really learn how to take hold of how we're thinking about things and then make a decision. Do I like the way I'm thinking about this? Is there another way to think about this? And with humility saying to yourself and to the Lord before you say to anyone else, well, Lord, if I'm wrong, show me. Because I don't want to be ignorant and arrogant, which is a deadly combination. To be arrogant in your ignorance will bring you to death because you will stubbornly refuse any help. You will stubbornly refuse any information And you'll stubbornly refuse any source that information brings you because you're too arrogant to receive it. And we have to be a people who are really letting the Lord transform the way we think about ourselves. Now, this is the beginning of the lesson. Because unless you're willing to step into that for yourself, you go nowhere. You're stuck. As you are right now, you will remain that way forever. You know the scripture is an interesting verse. You mentioned the book of Ecclesiastes, sister. You know there's an interesting verse there where a tree falls in the in in uh, in the forest, there it lies, which I understand to be the 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 condition you die in. That's who you are, you know. But that's not who we are in the Lord, you know. Those are people who die outside of being in faith because we're going to go from glory to glory, you know, and that, I believe, doesn't end here. It just begins there, you know, where there's an ongoing teaching and training and school of the Spirit as we learn about God and He teaches and trains us to rule and reign more and more and more. So you can think about that for a while. Now, wisdom. We need to be really a people of, of ever-increasing wisdom. So if you're ignorant, you don't have wisdom, by definition. If you're arrogant, you stay stuck in your ignorance. But if you humble yourself, and God prizes humility, he prizes humility. And as we humble ourselves before the Lord, if my people who are called by my name do what before they pray? Humble themselves. That is, Lord, you're right and we're wrong. You know and we don't. What you say is true, not what I say or what I think or what I believe about anything if it contradicts what you say. Because what you say, your word is truth. When you, the way you analyze a situation, a circumstance, a person, a Nation, a culture, the way you analyze it, the way you speak about it, that's the truth. And we humble ourselves and say, okay, Lord, we're, we are going to take ourselves off the throne of our life. And we're going to put you on the throne of our life. And we are going to humble ourselves so that what you want to do, you can do. This is the beginning of wisdom. The scripture says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What I'm describing you is a practical way that you put the fear of God into your life when you say to him, you're right and I'm wrong. Your assessment of things is correct. My assessment is incorrect. This is the beginning of wisdom because you're acknowledging God as Lord. That's the fear of the Lord you know, like, God, what you want, that's what I want. We see very little of this, beloved. This is why, as Pastor Andy was saying earlier about the remnant, and I I believe that completely, I see it, there is this 7,000, a perfect number, if you will, not a literal number, but a perfect number of those who don't bow the knee. And in every generation, there are the 7,000. There are the men and women, you know, who will not kiss the bales, you know, who will not sacrifice on the incense altar of Caesar and will, you know, suffer, you know, the persecution of the society gladly, you know. They bear the persecution, the mocking, the rancor. They bear that as marks of pride, if you will, you know, not arrogant kind of pride, but the sense that God, this is an indicator of your favor on my life that they hate me. You know, Jesus said, if the world hates you, rejoice because they hated me first, you know, and you know, all of that hatred is going to fill the cup of iniquity. You know, God said to Abraham, your people will go into bondage for 400 years until the iniquity of the Amorites is is, is filled up. And so when that cup of iniquity fills up, then the judgment is going to come. And so, you know, God knows how much is in the cup. He, God, God knows how big the cup is, and he knows, you know, we think probably we have a much smaller cup because we're ready. God, just kill them all. Can we be done with it? I think last week the cup filled up. How many of you know what I'm talking about, right? And um, But God, has, he knows how big the cup is because he wants to, as you said so rightfully, he loves the nation. He loves the nations, you know. He doesn't want to destroy. He wants to save. You know, but, you know, he reaches out through his people, If they get rejected, it just adds to the cup of iniquity, and then he says, enough is enough, you know, enough is enough. So we need to be people of wisdom on several layers. You know, this idea of walking with God, listen to me, is God teaching and training us to walk with him. This is very important for you to understand because God has an investment in you and I to teach and train us. He doesn't want to just kind of push us out of the way. Okay, I'm God. Shut up, kids. I'll do it from now. I'll take over. You know, just be quiet and I'm I'm do it. He's no. He's saying, I want to raise up my body. I want to raise up my people. I want to teach you how to rule and reign with me. Do you understand that? Jesus came to the earth looking for disciples looking for those he could teach and train. You know, come and follow me, I'll teach you. You know, and so he's no respecter of persons. He's looking for anybody from any neighborhood, from any people group, from any culture. It says, okay, uh," because he's looking, this is so important for us to understand because the spirit of religion hates this. The spirit of religion wants to create counterfeits and substitutes for this very thing. The spirit of religion is the opposite of making and maturing disciples. It gives you whatever you will buy. It gives you any lie uh, uh, that you get comfortable with. Oh, this is my religion. This is my culture. This is my tradition. This is my church. This is my spiritual leader. This is my priest or bishop or vicar or pastor or whomever, you know, and I follow them. And there, I think I shared a little bit about this yesterday. I don't know, sometimes the meetings begin to run together, so I don't know who I said what to. You know, people look at me, you that was an hour meeting. So then I said, well, you better get the message because it's there. You know, there's this pay, this exchange of I'll tickle your ears and you give me money. And I'll tickle your ears and you'll give me money. Was it here? I can't remember, good. So you got that bit, good. So, There's this dynamic that the Lord is enraged against because it's robbing his people of their destiny in him and what he really wants. So when he finds a pastor like you, bless you, brother. When he finds a worship leader like you, bless you, sister. When he finds a group of people that are willing to come together and say, you know what, this isn't about my comfort. This isn't about me being made to feel better. This isn't about somebody stroking me or tickling my ears, making me feel good so that I give them money so I come back and, you know, they, they make me feel good. This is a school of discipleship for the kingdom of God and soldiers in the kingdom because we are in a war. You want, you, you know, there, there, we are in a war. That's why Paul likened his ministry to a battle. You know, And he taught about spiritual war and the weapons of our war and that we are fighting principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. And so the spirit of religion wants to tell you you're not in a war, there is no war, there is no devil. So if there's no devil, there's no war, you know, and you could just live your life any way you want to. And these are the demonic lies that try to convince you that the devil doesn't exist. Isn't it this? This is this, the most cosmic irony. Here's the devil saying to you, I don't exist. And he's standing there telling you, I don't exist, I don't exist, I don't exist. And people go, oh, Of course you don't exist. You know what I mean? This is some primitive, you know, leftover from whatever. And the devil says, This is great. I've already won. I could almost retire. <laughs> because the battle is over. I don't have anybody, nobody's fighting with me. Everybody's just doing whatever I want. But God, amen? He finds somebody who starts asking questions, right? Somebody who discovers like Josiah did in uh, Second Chronicles, where Josiah, the, who was, became king when he was eight. I think that's really interesting. You know, and what, 18 years later, I think the scripture says, he was 26, and he discovers the scroll of the Torah, you know, and uh, they're doing some stuff in the temple, you know, collecting money, and they find this old book, Torah scroll, and he starts to read it, and he goes, we're in trouble. He rents his clothing, humbles himself, you know. Somebody found a Torah scroll, you know, so men and women, the remnant, find the Bible study church history. We see the Lord moving in every generation, raising up men and women for the fight. And they run into persecution. Please don't be afraid of being persecuted. Don't be afraid of being mocked. Don't be afraid of being called names, you know, because it's one of the tactics of the enemy to intimidate you. You don't want to put yourself in a place of discomfort. You don't want to put yourself in a place where someone will say something nasty to you. Or now in social media, they, 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 you get tweeted badly. Get that? You get tweeted. I'm trying to help you guys here. <laughs> uh, but I'll bump. Yeah. Okay. Hey, I thought that was pretty good actually. <laughs> Tweeted, they finally got it. Pray for this (laughs) side. She finally got it. Were you blonde once? (laughs) She was. Oh my God, what a classic moment. (laughs) The others who are smiling still haven't got it, but they pretend you have. Oh, Lord. There is great joy in the camp of God. You know, the spirit of religion hates laughter. The spirit of religion hates joy. The spirit of religion hates all of these kinds of things. Do you understand that? So we, when laughter begins to come up, the enemy wants to shut it down. And God wants to raise it up. Because one of your great weapons is your joy and your laughter. My Jewish people have a history of laughter and comedy and things like that because a lot of it has come out of the persecution. There's a scholarly book, if you care to read such things, called "Laughter in Hell," which is a treatise on the on, on the use of humor in the Holocaust and in the concentration camps and how the uh, the the Jewish. The Jewish people and others who were imprisoned used humor as a survival strategy. Now this is very important because just like we need wisdom, we need all of the, f- the fruits that wisdom gives us. And one of the things that wisdom gives us is freedom, because now you know. And wisdom is not only knowing what to do, but how to do it. So this is part of our discipleship, is learning how to conduct ourselves, how to deal with persecution, how to deal with being mocked, how not to take it personally. You know, this is all that wisdom. And um, I love this verse at the end of the book of Ecclesiastes. um, Ecclesiastes chapter 10, near the end of the book. If the axe is dull and he does not sharpen its edge, then he must exert more strength. Wisdom has the advantage of giving success. It puts a sharp edge on things. And um, when we come together, I really want to emphasize this for you here and those of you who are watching and listening to this, where you're in fellowships, where serious things are being discussed, to value that, to pray for the leaders and to value it. Be a godly supporter with your finances. Be a godly supporter with your heart because environments that create disciples are few and far between. I want to say that to you again. Environments... Make and mature disciples are few and far between, and we need to be a people who are valuing that, supporting it, and participating in all that the Lord wants to do in you and with you and through you. This is very important. This is important for us to understand because we're in a battle. Bless you, sister. Travel well. Hallelujah. Keep drawing. Keep painting. Hallelujah. Keep prophesying with your art. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Some of you are thinking why is she leaving cuz she has to catch a train and go to someplace. <laughs> South. South. So um we're talking about being in the battle. And um as we were worshiping and then you were you were making reference to some of the things I was feeling in my spirit as we were worshiping and by the way sister when I was watching you worship yesterday. It was like you were playing your keyboard on one level. And I saw three levels of keyboards underneath this. And I thought there's something happening in another realm when you're playing in your gifting that's being released on other levels than words and music. The words and music are door openers to some other anointings that are being released, and anointings that are flowing into people. So as you minister, and if you're watching people, quote-unquote, not enter in, it's because something is transpiring on a deep level in them, and they don't know what to do with it. You know they're like stunned you know so they're sitting there thinking I don't want to miss this moment so I'm afraid to stand up I don't want to raise my hands I don't want to sing I don't want to open my eyes I don't know what to do with this so I just want to encourage you in that and worship leaders who as you are learning to play in the spirit and move in your gifting this is not just for Heidi here but it's for you as well this is really important God wants to make me and you transcendent people he wants us to learn to live in in more than one dimension you know the, the we're living in the natural yes but he wants to teach us how to live in the supernatural that rivers of living water flow out of us gifts of the Spirit flow out of us words of knowledge words of wisdom but hear me say this to you we have to be discipled in these things we have to be taught and trained because we don't get this naturally You know, you have to be taught how to walk in the Spirit. You have to be taught how to pray. You have to be taught how to study the Scriptures. You have to be taught how to listen to God. You have to be taught to obey. You have to be taught to repent. You have to be taught all of these kinds of things. We create an environment for education. We create an environment of discipleship, but it never, it won't happen in your life unless you're willing to be taught and trained. And so many people who don't want to be taught and trained because it takes work, it takes energy, it takes sacrifice, it takes dedication, it takes all the things that the Bible talks about those who are going to walk with the Lord have to begin to do. The spirit of religion offers an alternate to that. It offers a counterfeit to that and a substitute to that and says you don't have to do that. You don't have to learn. You don't have to obey. You just have to come to the meeting and go through the ritual. That's the counterfeit, and the substitute is all of those things that are substitutes for your education. So there are people who go to church for their entire life. They never learn, they never grow, they never change, and they never bear any fruit for the kingdom of God. They just simply are avid or active churchgoers. They go through the ritual. And I tell you that God is going to deliver the body of Christ from that kind of thinking. He's going to raise up prophetic voices like mine and others that are going to just point to that and say, Church, come out of that. The remnant, come out of that. You know, whether it's a Catholic thing or a Protestant thing or a, you know, Anglican thing or Pentecostal thing. Because there are many churches that started in the Spirit and ended up in the flesh. And it's now another kind of religion. You know, you have Pentecostal churches without Pentecost. You know what I mean? They've You know, they have a theology that the gifts of the Spirit are in operation, but they're never in operation. You know? And when something else, when, when they might begin, they get shut down. Instead of, we need, we need to learn how to explore this and practice this. We need to learn how to teach one another how to preach and how to pray and how to prophesy and how to judge prophecy. Many churches and I've had pastors say to me, you know, we don't allow public prophecy anymore because people got hurt. I said that was the wrong thing to do. Look, getting hurt is part of the process of growing up. So get over it, okay? You know, you got you got you got hurt. Well get healed and let's move on. Instead of crying in the corner, I got hurt in the mean church. In the mean pastor, and the mean lady, you know, with the banner she prophesied and said mean things to me. Can we get over that? Can we, can we pray for this side over here? Okay. We'd love to grow up. So I said we, instead of shutting down the Holy Spirit and saying be quiet because people get hurt when you speak, because that's essentially what they're saying to the Spirit of God when they stop the prophetic gifts from flowing they say please holy spirit don't come to our meetings we'll talk about you but we don't actually want your participation yeah. you know we'll just we'll, we'll talk uh, you know about the holy ghost and we'll talk theologically about you but please don't come you know and don't do anything cuz you'll disturb us i've had ministers literally who was a young pastor at a pastors gathering Having a lunch, people I'd never met, a couple of guys, and they were, we were chatting about, the, and th- these two guys said, we don't want the Holy Spirit in our church. What? That's what I said. Just like that. I said, what did you say? I was astounded to hear this. And they said, oh, no, we don't, we don't want the Holy Spirit in our church. When the Holy Spirit comes, there's trouble. Oh. I wish I had the wisdom then that I have now. So I got my gray hair honestly. Because I would have said to those guys, did you hear what you just said? You just said you don't want the Holy Spirit in your church. Think about this, guys. When you stand before the Lord on the day of judgment, and you stand before the Holy Spirit, how are you going to respond when the Holy Spirit says to you, you didn't want me in your church. What makes you think I want you in my heaven?'" I didn't have that wisdom. I didn't have that wisdom on that day. I was just astounded. But I did say in my heart, Lord, you're welcome. Come on, bring your trouble. Holy Spirit. Now, watch what happens, because the reason they said that is because there was a time when the Holy Spirit was active in their church and in their ministry. And it did cause trouble for people who weren't discipled in how to move in and steward the moving of the Holy Spirit in the souls of people, because we are in the soul training business okay we're in the disciple making business so the Holy Spirit moves and someone prophesies and someone gets upset or somebody falls on the floor or somebody does something that they don't know and they don't understand and they get uncomfortable so then they complain to the pastor can't we have a normal church you know where you know when every time we show up we don't know what the hell is going to go on here you know it's like a madhouse in this place You know? And then we have to learn to say, well, it's not really a madhouse. Watch this. It's a place of learning and changing and growing. And we also then have to learn how to judge assess, adjudicate, when someone says something or someone behaves in a certain way or something, rather than saying, oh, that's crazy, we'll stop it, let's investigate what happened. You know, let's investigate what you did or why you did it or what was going on. Some of you who have followed my ministry have heard this testimony. I was ministering in a church in America in Massachusetts that was experiencing genuine move of the Holy Spirit. And I went there, and they invited me to speak for the weekend. And during the first meeting, I saw in a corner some middle-aged men and women, very well-dressed, suits, ties, nice dresses. And in the middle of the worship, all six of them, there were three couples, got on the floor and started rolling. Just rolling like bowling balls, rolling. And I thought to myself, wow, holy rollers. You know, I had heard of holy rollers, but I'd never actually seen a holy roller. And there were six of them rolling, well-dressed, nicely dressed, rolling on the floor. So I didn't get a chance because of the way the weekend operated to really begin to find out what that was all about, except I was enjoying it. Sometimes things in church can be very entertaining. I'm not even talking about. And... Uh, And this is another point, just, you know, just because someone does it, does something doesn't mean they're being led by the Spirit. But we want to create an environment where people are free to explore. Which means, will people go in the flesh? Will people do things in the flesh? Yes. But if we're discipling them, we'll teach them. They'll begin to say, understand, you know, that really was my flesh because there are attention seeking people who find environments and will do things to draw attention to themselves. And you will discern that and you'll stop it because you'll confront it and say, listen, this is not about us l- l- getting attention. Here's one of the ways we dealt with people who were attention seekers. It says, if you want to wave your banner, go wave it in the back. If you want to do this little two step routine or whatever it is you call it, go do it in the back. And they'd get offended. And I said, no, why did you get offended? Are you doing this before the Lord or you want it to be seen of people? You know, are you doing it in the front because you like everybody staring at you? And so I said, now you need to think about that. Well, they didn't. They just left to go to another place where they could get away with what they wanted. You understand, they failed the test of discipleship. Their growth in the spirit stopped at that moment because they had an opportunity to repent and grow in spiritual maturity and failed that test. Because really what they wanted was the attention that their soul craved. So a couple of years later, the pastor's wife of that church was at one of our Panim gatherings, a worship gathering, Janet, prophetic worship gathering that Janet and I hosted in America and, and here in the UK. And um, we were having lunch together, and I remembered this. So I said to her, tell me about those couples that were rolling, and she laughed. She said, when the Holy Spirit broke out in our church, and the, he began to really move and all kinds of things was happening. They stood off in the corner with their arms crossed, judging and criticizing everything. You know, like, we don't like this. What is going on here? What happened to our church? We're going to complain, you know? And they would, you know, but the pastor said, you know, look, were, we're letting the Holy Spirit move, but it was their church, you know? So they were not leaving, you know, but they were not happy and they were letting everybody know you know, by you know, well here we go again. How many of you how many of you sit with arms crossed thing, Here we go again, there's the flag lady, there's the banner lady, you know, there's the prophesying person. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Well the Lord got fed up with that one night. And to their credit, because they were men and women of God, they just weren't discipled properly. They could have left the church, but they didn't. The Spirit of the Lord fell on all six of them, put them all on the floor, and started rolling them. (laughs) They couldn't do anything else. The Lord came on them in such a way that they couldn't stand. Then they had to lay on the floor, and the next thing you know, they couldn't help themselves. They were rolling, Not against their will, because they knew the Lord was humbling them. You know, they got up repentant, dust themselves off, and said, we are feeling the presence of the Lord, He's humbling us, and when we roll, we are worshiping Him and enjoying His presence in that. Now, we're not telling everybody, roll on the floor. Just as an example of when the Holy Spirit comes in trouble, because you have to learn how to steward it. This is why we need the wisdom of God if we're going to create an environment that teaches people how to live in the Spirit, you know, because our flesh doesn't like it. Our flesh likes religion. Our flesh likes things we understand. And Jesus wants to take us into realms we've never gone into. Diverse expressions of the Spirit. Diverse manifestations. Diverse administrations of the things of the Holy Spirit. And He's finding a place here where you have leaders who are saying, you know what? We, Lord, we really want what you really want. We want to help everybody find and fulfill their destiny. This is, this is precious, beloved. You know, when you find ministries like this, Pray for the leaders, because the enemy is not happy. That is an understatement, okay? He is enraged, and he wants to think, I've got to figure a way to stop this, but he can't, you know? So he'll try and figure another way to stop it. You know, people will mock you, or people will blaspheme, or people will uh, uh uh criticize you slander you oh you go to that church how many of you know what I'm talking about that church and you should tell them you should come to this church <laughs> you know and see what the holy spirit will do with you but a lot of people don't want that see this is where the people fail the test they fail the test I don't want what the Holy... This is what they're really... They don't use language like this. They use the language of justification, rationalization, and vilification. Justification, rationalization, and vilification. They justify themselves. They rationalize what they're doing, and they vilify you. You know, you're those people. You're that. They're bad. You know, rather than the Holy Spirit saying... Because really what they're saying is, Holy Spirit, I don't really want you to be free in my life because I don't know what you'll do with me. You know, I don't want to roll on the floor. I don't want to wave a banner. I don't want to dance. I don't know what, you know, you might ask me to do. Rather than saying, are you ready for the prayer the Lord taught us? Are you ready? See, sneaky Jesus, he taught you to pray this prayer when you were in Sunday school as a little kid. Are you ready? It's been called the Lord's Prayer, but it's not his prayer it's the disciples' prayer. Hey, okay, guys, this is what I want you to pray. I want you to pray for my will to be done. Have you heard these words before? Somebody famous prayed them. Here's how you pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy... Kingdom. What? My king? You're asking for my kingdom to come? No. You really mean you want me to bless your activities. You really want me to bless your empire and your life. You don't mean my kingdom to come and my will to... No, that's not what you mean at all. You mean you want me to be your servant. Make you feel good. Make you happy. Give you money. Give you all the things that you want. and uh, Because, you know, you're praying the prayer of faith, you know, and you're getting somebody to agree with you if you think you could manipulate me. That's what you really mean. So the Lord comes and says, Now, I want to teach you to be a disciple of my kingdom. My kingdom. I'm the king. Will you serve me? I'm the king. Yes. Will you serve me? And then my will in your life. Because I see you who you really are. I see your giftings. I see your calling. I see your anointing. I see your destiny. I know what your DNA really speaks forth. I know who you are better than you know who you are. Because your identity of yourself has been defined by people who are completely ignorant of who you really were. They're deaf, dumb, and blind. And they're telling you who you are. But I am am neither deaf nor dumb nor blind. I see who you really are, and if you follow me, I'll teach you, and I'll show you who you really are in me. That's a good place to say amen. You know, when I started in my walk with the Lord, I had no idea at all. First of all, that God had called me into the ministry. What was that? I came out of a Jewish background. I didn't know what ministry was. What is that? you know. When I got baptized, the Jewish brother who baptized me in a bathtub prophesied over me these words, just like my son's ministry began at his baptism, so your ministry will begin now. And I thought, what? What is ministry? What are you talking about? And the guy who prophesied over me said, I didn't want to prophesy that. He said, because I didn't even believe it. (laughs) This is the kind of group I got saved into. All right, we're doing this stuff, but we have no idea what we're doing. How many of you? How many of you understand? We don't really know what we're doing. This is okay. If but this is humility speaking that says, "Okay, He knows, and we want to be taught by Him. So He'll teach us, and then we know what we're doing, and then we know why we're doing it." So we're not doing things intuitively. We we started in ministry. We had banners and stancing and people, you and I were mocking our church. And people said, why do you do it? I said, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know why we're doing it, you know? The Lord is showing us to do it, so we're doing it. And and we had banners on the, you know, they were very primitive. People were just learning how to stick bits of things on other things and put the name Jesus on it. And we put it on the wall, you know, and we'd march around. So we were doing things intuitively then. That now we're doing intentionally because we know what we're doing and why we're doing. Because the Lord taught us about banners and the power of banners. Psalm chapter 20 verse 4, Psalm 60 verse 4, and many other references to banners and ensigns in the scripture. They are all prophetic prophetic revelations of God's purposes. We learned about doing prophetic acts because much of what we do in worship is a prophetic act. We are echoing in the natural what God is speaking in the spirit and saying to the Lord, this is what we want to become. We want to become these banners. We want to be these swords, you know, because God is saying, come on, I want to teach you how to be a weapon. I want to teach you how to go to war. I want to teach you how to bring my kingdom to rule upon the earth. And Jesus is our king, and we are called to follow him. Now, a couple of things about this, particularly for some of you women warriors. Because you mentioned Deborah, and I laughed to myself because I was just thinking about Judges chapter 4. Where Deborah is is mentioned and the battle with um, Sisera, and then this wonderful woman of God, <laughs> Yale, yes, they know, maybe you don't know, so this wicked general thinks he's found safe haven, and uh, she says, "Come in here, your'." tired from fighting. You're thirsty. I'll give you some warm milk. So he says, oh man, I'm so tired. He falls asleep. She covers him in in a blanket. Then she takes a big tent peg, puts it on his temple, takes a huge hammer and crushes his skull and drives the tent peg from one temple through the other into the ground. Watch out for these ladies. Don't get close to them. <laughs> Janet, you have no ten pegs around, right? <laughs> no, no. Uh, so here, watch this. Here is this woman of God who is fearless but strategic. And this is a word for many of you women warriors, because there is a, there is a battle in your hands, there are weapons in your hands, and God wants to teach you how to be strategic in your use of the weapons. This is very important for men and women, but these stories in the Bible are not Bible stories. They are strategies in spiritual warfare. There is, all of the battles in my opinion, that are laid out for us in the scriptures or spiritual strategies for warfare. And so I was also thinking about this verse in 1 Chronicles chapter 12 that you made reference to, where David is um, hunted by Saul, and um, he's hiding in the caves. These you, I can't go. Th- we could we could spend a long time going verse by verse through First Chronicles chapter twelve. It's really an important, st- because they recognize this. It says a verse many of you are familiar with. Um, this is First Chronicles chapter twelve, verse thirty-two. And the sons of Issachar, men who understood the times with knowledge of what Israel should do. And. They reflected what all of these men and women of God, who were, the Bible says, defecting from Saul, coming to David in the cave, who was a wanted, quote-unquote, criminal, right? So they defected from the king to come to this traitor, who they knew was the real king of Israel, that Saul had betrayed his kingly authority and God had taken the kingdom from him and anointed David and they all started, co- well, they all started coming to David because in the spirit they knew it was time to make David king. And so when I hear men of God like your pastor make the declarations, it's time to bring revival to Britain. And we hear things like this in America and in many other nations. Men and women of God like this man and this woman who are hearing this in the spirit. Nation after nation, it is time to make Jesus Lord. It is time for our nation to be fulfilling her destiny, and these mighty men and women of God, and you read about the fact they were skillful in battle. They were lined up. They were archers. They were swordsmen. You know, they knew how to fight. Listen to me, please. There is a knowledge of how to fight inside of each one of you. You may not be aware of it as I say it to you, but there is a knowledge of how to fight inside of your spirit. And if you will say to the Lord, thy will be done, thy kingdom come. I'm willing, I'm willing to come to the cave. This is not easy to do. Believe me, I have fought many battles in my own soul. Do I really want to do this? I think I'd like to retire now. You know, can we go away? You know, we've had this little private uh, behind-the-shield conversation, Janet and I. Do we really have to? Can't we? You, let someone else. He's a young man. Let him do it. She's young and anointed. Let her do it. It's okay. And the Lord was not laughing. He was looking at like, really? And we were going, we repent. Repent, I repent. We only said it for five minutes. That was too long. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Call to the battle. Will you pick up arms? So this is a question you have to decide for your heart. You have to decide for your life. Will you pick up arms? Will you be a a disciple? Will you be taught how to use the weapon that you are? Because you become a weapon. Your voice becomes a weapon. Your words become a weapon. Your behavior becomes a weapon. Your dance is a weapon. Your prophesying is a weapon. Your singing is a weapon. You know? And it's not just singing in building. Taking that gift into the public square and start singing. Just start singing. You know? Or a team of worshipers singing and dancing. Drawing a crowd and people asking questions. Who are you and what the hell are you doing? Well, I'm glad you're asking that question because it's hell we're after. We're on the attack, you know. Ah, You people, I've never met people like you before. Well, good, welcome, you know. Glad to meet you. Why are you doing this? Well, Jesus changed my life. Why? Yep. Would you like to change your life? Will he? Yes. Ready to pray? Oh, yes. I want that. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Because for all the mockers out there, all the cynics out there, there are the seekers out there. There are the people who are asking the question, God, if you're real, they're thinking about, you know, they read all this stuff about evolution and say, this can't be true. Mindless time and chance cannot create complex information systems. Just the bottom line of all of this. Mindless time and chance, billions of years of time and mindless chance cannot create complex information systems, which is what DNA is, everywhere on the earth. How does the little fish know how to do it? How does that frog know how to do it? How does that, how do beavers know how to make dams? Like, are you kidding me? Or how bees can fly? Are you kidding me? And communicate with dance to one another? This is complex information in a little bee head. I got birds building nests. I, loved, I got three or four different nests, you know, that fell out of the trees when the season changed. And I showed them to my granddaughters. Look, how does this little bird brain know how to build this complex nest? This is f- perfectly round. It's got a little hole. Their house runs. It's got a little hole. She goes inside. She feeds her young. And they start. To how does this happen? Mindless time and chance cannot create complex information systems. Okay, so evolution is done with. Now brings us to the creator. Whoa. Now we're in Romans 1 and 2, where people see the glory of God in creation and reject God. Okay, God has created a world where he can be rejected. Now that's him. He is the sovereign God. Romans chapter 8, verse 20, God subjected the world to futility. He did it. This is all part of the unfolding of his plan for humanity in hope that all of creation will one day be set free from its bondage to corruption into what? The glorious liberty of the children of God. So all of this is about teaching and training you. Teaching and training you who say yes to him. And there are people out there that have a yes in their heart. They just need a preacher to go and say to them, here's what you have to say yes to. Not to religion, not to churches, not to services, but to be a disciple of the kingdom of God. And if you want to learn how to do that, come to our Bible study. Bible? What's that? It's our manual for life. It's our manual for discipleship. It's our manual for transcendent living. And we are all disciples in the school. I am a disciple in the school of the spirit. The only reason I can stand before you and teach you anything is because I've been in school longer than you. And I've said yes enough times to get promoted. And according to the word of the Lord, I just got promoted again. Hallelujah. I'll take the upgrade. Amen. And it's just a confirmation really of the things the Lord has been speaking to me in my, in my heart. So here we are ladies and gentlemen. Men and women who are being called by the Lord to David in the cave to come out of your life on whatever level the Lord calls you and say, yes, Lord, I'll pick up arms. I will give you my life to go to battle. Now, if I say that and it scares you, that's good. You know why it's good? It means you're paying attention. It means you're really starting to count the cost that this is not a game. This is not about feel good, go to meetings, get blessed, and go home and do whatever you want. This is about, oh, Lord, your life. Oh, Lord, what you want me to do. Oh, Lord, here I am. I will pay the price. And then you realize that the cost of knowing Jesus does not compare to the value of knowing Him, and then, but you get all of this by the Spirit, beloved. So I want to bless you, Andy. I want to bless you, Heidi. I want to bless Bushfire. I want to bless your leaders and the ministry here, you know. And I want to speak well of you ten times more than all the people who speak unwell of you. That the voice of the Lord would be amplified ten times in your ears. And every voice spoken against you would be so minimized it wouldn't even be a whisper. You know? Because the enemy wants to amplify his voice. And you'll say, shut up. In the name of Jesus. Shut up. I'm not listening to that voice. Your opinion doesn't matter to me speaking to those You know, because the question is not what you don't like about what I'm doing. The question is, what are you doing for the kingdom of God? You know, the issue is not how many people you can gather on a Sunday in a meeting place, a church or a hall. The question is, how many disciples do you have? And those disciples, are they bearing fruit for the kingdom of God? Because that's what we're all about. That's what the Bible teaches us is the business of the kingdom of God. And we are in a battle, you know, that's just the nature of the world. God subject the world to futility. He allowed the devil into the planet to defeat him by the sons of God. And he looks at you and he says, come on, will you join the army? I'll give you weapons. I'll teach you how to use them. And I'll show you gifts that you didn't know you had. Some of you know my testimony. I'll quickly just, you know, when the Lord called me to be uh, a leader in our little church, I thought he had made his first mistake in history. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you had that conversation with God? You know, you're God, you know everything, and you've never made a mistake, but today, asking me to be an elder in this church, this is a mistake. And, uh, then the Lord, he didn't listen to me. He told me I was, he told me I was insulting him, but I still didn't stop. Until he told me this, he said, it will be better for you on the day of judgment to become an elder and fail than not to be an elder at all. At which I said, okay, I'll become an elder. It was one of these Godfather, remember the Godfather movie? Make him a deal, he can't refuse. (laughs) So God the Father, I'm making you a deal, you can't refuse. So I went to the meeting. I said to everybody, okay, you all want me to be an elder. God wants me to be an elder. I'll become an elder. They all started to cheer. And I thought, you all are crazier than me. Then they began to prophesy things when they prayed for me that I had never told anybody. And this ring of prophecy went around and they began speaking things out loud that I had never told anybody. And then they had the foolishness to invite me and ask me to teach a Bible study, which I had never done. And I thought, here we go, here's another mistake. And uh that first night of going to teach that Bible study, I was scared to death I had never sat in front of a group of people and taught the scriptures. And I didn't I had a a, a workbook. Derek Prince, Bible studies for a firm foundation. very simple. Here's a verse, fill in the blank. What does the verse say? Not complicated. scared me to death. So the I, I went there frightened, scared, anxious, making the story short because of time and uh, when I crossed the threshold because you have to cross the threshold. Because I could have walked away and said, I can't do this, I'm sorry, you know, because I figured I'll be humiliated, I'll be embarrassed, I won't know what to say, I can't think now, I don't even know what the Bible, you know, anything. I don't even know my name. But as soon as I crossed the threshold, all of that evaporated. I sat down and things began to come out of my mouth as we opened the scriptures, we, meaning he and I. Things came out of my mouth that I didn't know. And I thought, this is really good. I hope I can remember it. (laughs) Then it happened the second week. And then it happened the third week. And I realized something's happening here. So there is in every home, I discovered a ceramic altar. It's called the toilet. (laughs) You close the lid and you have an altar. And I used to go from the meeting to the altar to thank God that you got me through it. Did that the three, three, three weeks in a row, the third week when I got to my altar. The Lord said this to me about this teaching gift that I didn't know I had, but I had to walk in obedience to discover it. I'll say that to you again. You have to walk in obedience to discover it because you don't know it's there till you obey, but God sees it in you. He saw it in me. I didn't know I had it. And he said these words to me about this prophetic teaching gift that was just beginning to emerge out of my life. He said, this prophetic teaching gift will always be there and it will never fail. And all these years later, 40 odd years later, it has always been there and it has never failed. So if you receive anything from me, from all those teaching, it has come from that gift that he had put in me because it has always been there and it's never failed. And I cannot tell you how many times... I have no idea what I'm going to say until I get before the Lord, before the people, and the gift operates. The gift operates. The gift of healing operates, right? In people with a gift of healing. Words of knowledge. It's a gift, and it starts to operate only through obedient people who live a life of sacrificial faith and obedience. You do what he has called you to do. You do it. Say, here I am. If I die, I die. I thought I was going to die on the way to that Bible study. You know, I'm giving you a quick uh, overview of this, but my anxiety level was through the roof. I thought this was the end of life as I knew it. it. And it actually was, because God was opening up a new life for me. So let's pray. Father, you're looking for a people who will live a life of sacrificial obedience who will be disciples of the kingdom of God, and who will do what you call them to do with humility, receiving correction, receiving admonition, receiving rebuke, receiving information. Abba, we bless your people here. Those who are watching this, those who are listening, Lord, in churches and meeting places, home meetings around the world, just like this, where men and women of God are, are assembling to be disciples of your kingdom, to learn how to fight the fight that you've called us to in order to get the victory that you want for your kingdom to come upon the earth, Lord and your people who are out there who are lost to be saved, and the people who are saved to be mature, to be fruitful disciples of your kingdom. Lord, I pray all of this in the name of Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah. Amen and amen.